Hey everyone, Josh Butcher here. Welcome to Passing on Passion Ecocora podcast. For this first episode, we're here with British F4 champion Zay Maloney, um, the first driver from Barbados to race at uh, an FIA level in cars. And today with Kieran, we're going to talk about Zane's journey from karting to cars, some of the main lessons he picked up during that process. You know, it's tough for any kid, no matter the age or, or budget level. So let's get right to it. Here we go. So firstly, Zane, the one thing, obviously we've worked together for a year or so now, or maybe that's well over a year now, because obviously mm-hmm. we've had a quarantine period. It doesn't feel like it's been that long. Yeah, but yeah, we, we started working together in, what was it, beginning of 2019. But we actually met a few years before that, didn't we, when I was out, out on your island and you, you treated me treated me to a day out on the track, which was a good laugh. And Margaret, you showed me your talents then. Uh, when I first came out there, you were racing on the island. Um, you are doing a little bit in America. Then you moved out and branched yourself out in Europe. So what, what year did you come out to European karting? I actually went over in 2017. So I, I was racing against guys who have been doing 10 years in Europe because obviously they, they're from Italy or from England. Or, or Germany or somewhere around there. So I actually came in really late compared to my age group. Uh, so I did start on the back foot. And when I first came in, I was I didn't know what to do. Because um, yeah. of course, in Barbados karting, there was only like four or five people. And I was winning everything because we don't have much drivers there, even though there's some good drivers. Um, and then when I went over to the US, it was quite a few good drivers, but nothing to the level of Europe. So. Yeah. So when I went over, uh, I got thrown into the deep end, which I only realised when I went there. Yeah. No one, no one ever told me oh, this is going to be hard. And a did few you, people. So did, did you have an idea when you were sold? I take it, Dad made the decision to go over to Europe with you, obviously. But you, when you were told you're going over, then did you know how tough it would be? In Barbados, we more go to the US because it's a, it's a bit closer than yeah, Europe, obviously. So. Most people who have driven in Barbados have gone to the US and have done well sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so it gives you a false, false impression. I went up to the US thinking I'll do well. I did well. And then um, we went over to Europe, tested with Ricky Flynn Motorsport yeah. and did a race. I think I came 15th, um, not to realize that it was just a club race. <laughs> and then, so we went back to the US, finished off the season. Um, I think we won a few championships that year. And then my dad and my sponsors um, saw Rock Cartman, Bushy Barbarios, decided to send me over to Europe yeah. with Ricky. Um, and yeah, it started there. We didn't do amazing the first um, the first half year, I would say. Um, I actually, I remember Jamie Flynn was my was my mechanic. And I remember, obviously, with the OKJ carts, it's not a, it's not a starter button. So you, you have to push yeah. to get going. And I think I missed a few races out of the pit lane because I oiled the engine up. Um, <laughs> that's how bad it was. There wasn't there wasn't any spins on cold tires, and then you couldn't no, get the thing started. I was oh. getting to that. The main problem was the getting off the line. I I remember going on the grid for every single race the first two three months, like worrying that I won't even make the start of the race. <laughs> uh, Did Jamie have to just constantly run around with spark plugs in his pocket, ready to change? Yeah, it just in case at one point, up? at one point they taped a spark plug onto my rib protector. <laughs> so that in case, um, like even if I um, oiled up where they can't pass, because when yeah. you pass the line, then I could, and I had a spanner and a, and a spark plug, <laughs> so I would just do it myself quickly, even though I didn't know what I was doing back then yeah. as well. Yeah, this sounds pretty old school, you're talking, but you're only talking about two years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's it, that's quite it's like a, it's like a rally driver driving. Yeah, maybe we should do that with the rest of our drivers, just give maybe. them a little toolkit. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you must have, you must have 
been full time in Europe. So you must have left the island and literally just been over in Europe full time. Yeah, so I was traveling with my mum. We were coming back and forth but um back then and so two months on, one month off, right. something like that, probably less, um, in Barbados. But yeah, we were pretty much living there and like I said, the first four or five months, the first half year was I would say terrible to what I came from in the US. Yeah. I was probably driving better, but compared to the, the level is is a lot higher and because the competition's higher. So yeah. you, you improved and but it was yeah. hard to see that there were because no, the results weren't weren't yeah. there. If you like. It looked like if I was getting worse. Yeah. And that's mentally when you're young that's yeah it's absolutely. hard to take. So I can't remember what race it was. I think it was Alaharma in fin- Finland, where all of a sudden I just went from being 15th, 10th in heats, 15th in the final, to all of a sudden I was up there to win the race. Yeah. And I, I up to this day, I don't know how. I just, all of a sudden, I was there. Maybe do, you think, do you think it helped taking a beating for the first couple of races to kind of get to that point where you're not necessarily putting the pressure on yourself, you just want to have a good result? Yeah, it's always, yeah. It's always good to to learn from doing bad yeah. but I think nowadays I can realise when I do bad why I did bad whereas back then it was just what am I doing I don't know yeah. what I'm doing you're just going out and yeah. driving as fast as you can and at that stage when you're younger I think doing bad is sometimes it, it should be better but it's most of the time it's worse and it keeps digging you down into the floor if you were to look back now would you look back and think if you were to, if you were able to have a better mindset at that time and accept those failures, if you like, and those bad results. Do you think you'd have that would have sped up your development? Looking back at it now, um, I wonder what was I doing. I should have been able to develop a lot quicker. But as a child, you don't think those, you don't think of those stuff. I was, I was going out there, being told to do a hundred different things. I know, I knew that I didn't know how to do them, but I didn't, I didn't want to ask them because yeah. it makes as a child you think it makes you look worse than you yeah. actually are it makes, it, it makes people think you know that perception of you don't know what you're doing and you, you, yeah. you know you perhaps you know, we've seen it a lot with some of our younger drivers where they they don't want to be seen to be not listening so because they don't quite understand something they don't want to then question anything because they yeah. feel like the, the, the people they're working with will think oh you're not even listening to me sort of thing yeah but I think part of the thing is European carding in general kind of they, if someone makes a mistake, they go down hard on the person, especially European teams. Um, yeah. Ricky and Jamie did a great job with me bringing me up, but most teams and most mechanics and most people, they they don't let mistakes happen. And it, it, mistakes are going to happen. So Yeah, yeah they haven't got that level of experience, have they? And that's the yeah. thing. And, and that's, that's the bit where it comes with that adaptability. So let's fast forward a little bit to nearer the end of your karting career. You had... Uh, um, a far, uh, a very fierce um, level of competition in your teammate, which was Harry Thompson. You know, going up against someone with like Harry, who has tremendous amount of experience in the karting. Um, how did you compare? How did you deal with someone like that? Because it's a strong character, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I remember in twenty seventeen coming up, um, my first race. I saw Harry, of course, and I remember watching him in twenty fifteen and sixteen winning championships in in Great Britain. So. Yeah. You could tell from that he was a strong character on track and off track, even on the YouTube stuff. So yeah. I think I kind of went there with the mindset of how to deal with it. And yeah. of course, he he had more experience. So he did beat me the first year, first half year, uh, like I said. And then I started to to get better. And 
then it became a rivalry i would say um sometimes very toxic and yeah. sometimes sometimes okay so and then 20 the end of 2017 i think we crashed in le mans in the european championship um and things didn't go great from there so <laughs> so you had so at that stage you had a bit of a, a hamilton rosberg kind of relationship yeah something similar <laughs> but i think since he's he, he he won in great britain he, he won everything pretty much so he was used to winning and yeah and it didn't go too great there because i wanted to win he yeah. wanted to win and yeah we both were fighting for wins so yeah. and do you think do you think that that rivalry helped at all you know having that in the team or do you think it hindered situation it definitely made me push more um 2017 it went from i want to beat him but we're still friends to i need i really need to beat yeah. this guy yeah. Um, so yeah it did push me on a lot and obviously when we when we started getting a bit older we started realizing that a crash can't like what what is a crash a crash yeah. is just two people going for the same part of the track that yeah. mis- made a mistake one of them or maybe both yeah. and crash so we started to realize that quite late in uh 2018 and then we became I guess friends again at that time I wasn't as good at reading data and and maybe as even as good as him he was good at reading data and stuff like that because he had so much experience from England so he gained time a lot quicker than I did throughout the weekend and at the end of my karting career I just had to to try to get better at it and that's where I started being competitive with him what did you do? Did you go and start studying data more? Did you spend more time with with Ricky, or like what did you what did you do? Yeah, I remember um, at the start of twenty eighteen, I would just go in. Ricky would tell me you need to do this, 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 this. Um, I would take in all of it because I was a bit older then, and then I would just leave. Whereas when I started getting more mature throughout twenty eighteen, I would listen to what Ricky said, but I would also have conversations with Ricky and and agree with some things, disagree, and and we would get through and talk study break traces and, and different stuff like that. So it sounds like, the, I mean, the two two key things that stand out in my mind of what you've done there is, the first thing is you weren't afraid to ask questions and make yeah. make it clear on what the objectives were with, with the person you're working with, which is fantastic. And that's, you know, but it took maybe a year for you to gain that confidence or the experience or maybe a little bit of maturity to, to, to do that. Yeah, I think most of it is, I come from Barbados, where we're all nice to each other. And <laughs> yeah, it's, it, everyone's like a family in Barbados. Um, yeah. And the English mentality is more rough yeah. and more, Direct, you do this or you don't do this. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, well, it's, it's, it's an tough. intimidating atmosphere, isn't it? You've, you've got, not only have you got um, you know, a really competitive place to, to go out on the track, you've also, like when you go back in the tent, you've got to assert yourself as well. Yeah, and you've got to gain that level of respect as well. And it's what you don't want to do in a team is lose any respect because it takes yeah. longer to build. So, you know, people do tend to be a bit safe when when dealing with new people. Um, but yeah, I can completely understand that. And the other thing, it sounds like that you, what you did for 2018, what you changed was you started utilising your time more when you weren't on the track, like getting through that data, looking, exploring for more. And that sounds, that sounds like, to me, the two big, defining things that you did and you controlled you had control of to actually gain performance so 2018 that was actually your final year of karting if I'm right I I remember talking to your dad when we we, you know a few years back and and he said he actually wanted to put you into seniors but you were adamant you wanted to stay in juniors at that time but you I mean you did go 2018 into seniors didn't you but why 
And he's first of all, is that true or is he telling me a lot of old No, that um, he probably didn't even tell you as much as it actually would. <laughs> for months and months. I think we decided, I can't remember, but we decided, obviously, you have to decide quite early because the current season starts back in January. Yeah. So we decided before the new year and that I was going to go to seniors and I did not want to go to seniors at all. And now I don't understand why I didn't, but I think it was because, of course, in the World Championships at PFI 2017, I had a chance of winning. And I think my mindset was I need to win something in juniors before I move up to seniors because at that age I was thinking about being a Formula 1 driver and going to Formula 4 in the future mm-hmm. but it's all about karting then and yeah. even the karting world if you win a world championship or you win a European championships in the paddock you go from nothing to all of a sudden everyone respects you and, yeah. and that's what you want as a driver mm-hmm. so I think I was too focused on winning something and not developing in yeah. seniors. So, yeah, looking back now, I mean, obviously you've only had one year in cars, as successful as it's been, it's still only one year, but your experience even up to this point would be, you know, sadly, you got you can get very absorbed in the karting world yeah. and because you don't understand the bigger picture, you can't, you know, it's, it's hard to connect the dots looking yeah. forward, isn't it? So maybe it needed to have that knowledge from someone that, Karting isn't the be-all and end-all if your target is to go to Formula 1. Yeah, definitely. Even in seniors, when my dad said we were moving to F4, I did a test with Carlin um, and Trev, and it went amazing. But I went back, did my season in in senior karting, and I still was reluctant to just tell my dad, yeah, I want to move straight yeah. to F4. Because I do, in some ways, not many, I miss the karting paddock. Because it's vibrant, it's fun, yeah. but we had to do it, obviously, and I don't regret any of it. So 2018 is your final year and you've, in karting, and you finally, you know, you, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, it really came down to your decision at the end of the day. So you started testing at the end of 2018, was that yeah, right? With F4? Late November 2018. Yeah, and how much, how much testing do you, do you think you did, roughly? Uh, I did like two, one or two, two day tests, I think, yeah. in, in, in 2018. Yeah. I think it was at, uh, Knock Hill and Pembury. Yeah. Oh, sunny places then. Lovely, yeah, yeah. lovely places. It's not, it's not not that December. I can see why I wants to take kites. Yeah. Yeah. That's not really the best sell from Trev there, is it? <laughs> so, and then you, what, you then hit it hard in beginning of 2019. Yeah. Beginning of 2019, I, I really started testing quite a lot. If you can reflect back on it between 2018 and 2019, over that winter when you went back to the island, what did you do to prepare for the car stuff? Did you do anything or did you just go, Christmas time, I'm chilling and having a holiday? No, I, I definitely did um, step up my training with Dominique. Because yeah. I, I did get told by a lot of the carding guys, when you move on from carding, most of the guys are like, okay, he's gone. I don't, like, he's nothing to us now. Yeah. And um, Ricky, Ricky and Jamie and them, that they did the opposite. They kind of, because obviously Lando went through Ricky and yeah. and Ricky has brought up many drivers and he gave me a lot of, of advice with, with the training part, what I need to do to be ready for Formula 4. And yeah. and also with, with Carlin, he's good friends with Trev, so he didn't know how Carlin works and yeah. it's, it's quite similar to how he worked as well. So um, I was just focusing on getting the training up um, because after the few tests, I did realize that I was ready, but I, I wanted to be above everyone. So yeah. 
I, I did train a lot and at that point I didn't have a simulator so I can't say I, I drove on the simulator. I did drive at Carlin on the simulator when I could. Yeah. But but not at home. It's a bit, bit fast flight. Seven hours just to go on the sim for a day and then yeah. fly back seven hours. Different yeah. Time times. Yeah. I, I I really was just training and I had a lot of schoolwork then as well, yeah. which I do now. You were quite fortunate that one of your sponsors is uh, is a racetrack in Barbados. Yeah. Um, did you get any time on there at all, or getting testing? And I know they've got like quite a few radicals up there. Did you get Did you get chance to do some running in that? At that point, I did a bit of radical testing. Yes, I did not do as much as I should have. Yeah. I think um, at that point, it was it, I was still kind of in the karting mentality. So if I race in, let's say Adria in Italy in karting, I can't go and practice at Bushy Park. Yeah to replicate that because the grip levels are completely different whereas in cars I find there's no real track that is when it's wet it's terrible and when it's wet in another track it's just like dry Um, so I find more car tracks are similar in feeling than karting tracks and if I had gone to Bushy Park and driven in any car in the Radical anything to get car control and to and to practice different techniques I would have been better in in the season but I did do a little bit of testing of the yeah. sport. So going on to like when you moved from carts to cars, uh, uh, the reason for me, uh, uh, the reason that we don't look at someone that won a world champion championship in karting and assume they're going to be the next best thing is because when they then go to the car world, car world is completely different. Kettle fish is a completely different ball game. Yeah. So it's almost like you know you take a little bit of what you learn in karting, and then there's a lot of it which you literally just crumple up and throw away because you've got a whole new process to learn. For you, what what are the what are the biggest things for you? The changes from karting to cars, like well, what you had to learn. What are the biggest things? Definitely, the biggest thing by far is the mentality of mm-hmm. how you go about things and how you treat teammates and yeah. and everything. Because I think in the karting world. Let's say you have five teammates and three are good. There, there's not many good engines. Yeah. There's not five very good engines. So, I think that's part of the reason why there's a lot of egos as well because whoever shows their dominance is most likely to get the very best engine. Yeah. And in a big team like um, RFM, I can tell you that the engines were all very very similar. Yeah. But in a in a bit of a, a lesser team, let's say. The engines might be more significant from the best to the worst, yeah. and um, and that's where in karting I find it you do need to show your dominance to get the best engine or off track and on track. And whereas when you go to the car stuff, you try to have that same mentality of showing your dominance over your teammate. Whereas it, you need to do the opposite and work together because in a car there's a lot more that you can change uh, with the setup and, and yeah. with different stuff to go quicker, and it's not. It's not just um, put the put the front out a little out a little yeah. bit and go a lot quicker and yeah. and you can do that and then your teammate put them in and go quicker. It's, yeah. it's more you have different driving styles, but there's a baseline setup um, in a car and you don't veer off too far away from that with both cars. Yeah. And if you work together as a team, then you will get to that a lot quicker than if you worked apart. You'll still get to it, but a lot a lot slower yeah. than if. You work together, so I think that's what I've learned as well. Um, I had Joe as my teammate for half the year last year, and we got along very well. But I think it's because um, both of our egos went out the window, and I was quicker than him at the time, so I didn't have to worry about oh my teammate's quicker than me yeah. for the time, even though he he was a 
quite close most of the time. Um, so I think my ego went out the window, and I just start. I just worked with him and the team, and that's yeah. that's why we ended up. Even when he left, we ended up being on top of it because we knew what we needed to do. And what about the driving side? So you jumped from a cart to a car. What was the biggest thing that you went up? I didn't know how to do that, or or when you had to do that. Yeah, I don't know why, but when I first went from the cart to the car, I didn't like. I didn't jump in and not know what I was doing. I found that I kind of meshed with the car better than the carts. I right. I think my driving style does obviously I, you have to adapt mm. with whatever you drive. But I think I do more suit a car than a than a go kart. I yeah. don't really know why I I jump straight into the car. Of course, I wasn't on it straight away, which I don't expect anyone to be able to do. But I did feel with the with the size of everything and and being so little space, not in the open, I did feel quite at home. I don't really know. I don't know why. Useful. Quite weird. Yeah. So twenty nineteen was the year that you first debuted in cars, and you also won the championship in the first year. I'm pretty sure you had um, most wins in a season in F4 and I think you also won three races in one weekend. race weekend and you also won seven was, it, in a row. was it seven in a row? Well they now say four but it was technically seven, it technically. was seven in a row because they did they did they did delete that race didn't they but then yeah. they added it back in because yeah. it was like a two lap race or something yeah. so we didn't they didn't really give you that chance to get to the front <laughs> like you normally did but um, on the reverse grid race but it's you know it's a pretty it's a it's an impressive season and I think if you haven't seen Zane's races the the only race I say you'd have to go and watch is that last round of Brands Hatch because mm. the championship was on the line um, we were actually behind in points going into the race and essentially you know I remember us before we went out the race and it was like what should we do should we should we think about points let me know where the, you know the championship leader is and what I need to do and we just said should we just go and bloody win it. Yeah. Uh, and then straight away it was like, you know, unreal, next, next level stuff when when I won the race and did it in style. And that for me, you know, is Zane Maloney all over. You're the sort of person that wants to win. Yeah. And so why why try and deviate from the normal plan? Your yeah. normal plan is to win and that's when you drive at your best. And I'd, I'd also say you drive best when you're actually under pressure. Hmm. I realised that last year when... Um, the night before, obviously, you were with me in the room and at dinner and stuff, and I, I thought I would lost the championship. Like, I don't know why. It, it wasn't. I didn't know. Like I knew what I was gonna go and do the next day, but yeah. I just was thinking. Imagine if I did a whole season and then we lost it on the last very yeah. round, and it was getting to me a lot. And then I went to bed, obviously, not knowing how I could do it. And then I woke up the next morning, normal, feeling good, ready to yeah. just win the race and. We did talk about if we obviously did talk about if um, I come P four, he needs to come P six, yeah. and and we did go through it. But once I got in that car, um, and of course you and Anthony and everyone said, just go and win the race. When I got in that car, it was just normal race. Yeah. Starting P four, I just need to make three positions up. Yeah. And, and that's what we went out to do, do, and my whole family was there, and I, I find it it does help me. I don't know why, when like if I'm even in the gym, if I'm doing pull ups. And I'm doing it by myself. Let's say I can do 15 pull-ups, and then five five of my friends come and watch. I can all of a sudden do 20 pull-ups. Yeah. So I don't I don't really know what it is in me about it. Yeah, I do get pushed sure. on by by You're sure. So you know, for you, what's what do you think the defining moment was the last last year? Obviously, we started off the year um, with a 
up two podiums and, and then a race win that we got kind of taken away from us yeah. in the last corner, last lap. So we did start off quite well, but then Donington came. Um, it was quite a terrible weekend. Yeah. Um, obviously, we got in a few crashes and a few mistakes from my side and stuff like that. And then we came to the next round and all of a sudden I was motivated and yeah. We just went and won two races at Thruxton and since and after that, like I said, seven in a row other than um, yeah. that one race that got cancelled. But seven in a row and I think the main reason was because we focused on race win. We didn't focus on getting points for any championship because at that point I was behind in the championship. Yeah. So um when I first went and won the won the race at Thruxton, it was only about how are we gonna break through on this first win. Yeah. And that's the mentality we had. For the seven races after, how can we go and win this race, even if we were starting P6 from yeah. reverse grid or P1? And I think that's why that was what allowed us to win, because whenever we started after those seven races, in my head, I think I kept getting told to study about the championship. You, you only need to finish second here because yeah. you will stay ahead in the championship. And with how I work, I think that is the worst thing that I could have done is focus on the championship. Um, I was trying not to focus on the championship because obviously I wanted to make that record even higher. But yeah. in some ways you do think if I try this move, it's a bit risky. I might crash and, and yeah. then lose points in the championship. And I think as a driver, that is the worst way to think. After, like through those, those those rounds, we obviously we drop back again. Yeah. You mentioned before your teammate Joe, who left halfway through the season. Every, almost every car out there had another one, two or three cars to reference against for data, whereas you were, what round was it that Joe left? It's the halfway point of the season. It was, it was, easily, it was yeah. when we won seven races and then it started going downhill. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, you, even you said it yourself when, from 2017 in the karting world, when you had that fierce teammate, yeah. it, it helped you, you know, move things along. You know, it's probably losing a teammate definitely slowed things down for us yeah. because it meant that we had to do all of the work that another driver would do and then and, and us versus four versus, other drivers exactly and, and it did make it tricky but i think and i think there's probably it took a little bit of time for us to adjust to that i think that's you know probably the, the a key point but the important thing is for me and you know you may or may not agree it was then the work ethic away from the track that made that difference it wasn't like well, the car's shit, we're struggling, the team needs to sort it out. It was, we're all shit. Yeah. <laughs> this is not good. Let's all sit around and make a plan. What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? You know, yeah. I remember me and you went, and, you know, we worked on some car control stuff. We went and did some, some stuff privately away to, to kind of get clear and make sure that we're definitely sharp in certain areas. I remember we went and met with the team and we sat down with the engineers and the engineers worked and you know, everyone, everyone wanted to win in that team. Yeah. And um and I think that's that's what separated it. And I think if if it wasn't I believe if it wasn't for you driving it and you pushing everyone, we wouldn't have won that championship. Yeah, of course. But it even goes down to um to Eagles again. Um of course in the best teams in the world and in the not so great teams, there's all Eagles yeah. throughout the team and as a driver or engineer to engineer or team boss to team boss, yeah. there's always Eagles and to with the relationship with your engineer is the most important one. So you have to be trust, like you need to trust each other hundred yeah. percent. And I remember with my engineer last year, halfway through the season, we, we had a meeting or even closer to the end of the season, had a meeting and really, inf we, I really enforced and we both really enforced how we need to 
be a hundred percent honest to each other and, and trust each other hundred percent because if I come in and I did a bad job and I don't want to admit I did a bad job then they're not gonna know they're gonna know I did a bad job but yeah. I'm not admitting it so yeah. it's not really it's not accepting defeat. We're constantly saying to people, get don't worry so much about the people that are always winning. Yeah. If you're gonna go there, great. But find the people within that team that you can gel with and work with. Because if you've got a group of people who, yeah, they might have won multiple championships, but they're not on the same wavelength as you, yeah. then you're wasting your time. You're just pissing in the wind. But you also need to be, even if they are the perfect people for that job, you need to be ready for it as a driver. Like yeah. David said, you need to be willing to accept. leave you go at the door, accept yeah. that you are going to make mistakes. And when you do, you're honest with your engineer or, or anyone on the team, really. Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of drivers even... Um, me and last year throughout the season where we don't do as good as coming from karting to cars as uh, admitting when we're wrong yeah. because we always in the karting world like I said it's it's always you can't do wrong yeah and if you do wrong then you're an idiot for doing wrong yeah and so then as a carter you you get your back against the wall and you never are wrong yeah even even if you think you're wrong you don't want to admit to anyone because so that makes a, you adjusting to that new environment it yeah that was that was key as well to adjusting because the engineers are obviously the mechanics put a lot of work into it and then came and they're engineering a little kid now who yeah. thinks that they're also great <laughs> yeah. and, thinks well, they're the next Lewis Hamilton yeah so it's quite attitude. yeah so I can tell how the engineers sometimes pick up the the vibe from the drivers so if i come in and i'm all angry straight away then he's not gonna be able to tell me what i did wrong whereas if i come in a bit calmer then we can start to work on how to get better yeah i think what probably another thing that stands you out from at your age versus the drives you're up against you probably got quite a big following just because all of our vados is kind of behind you um i think you kind of find that spurs you on um do you think just you obviously, you know, you're quite active on Instagram, uh, especially that that's a main platform you use kind of day to day, right? Yeah. Um, and I've seen, um, do, do you, what do you mainly use your social for? Is it, is it like updates on what you're up to or do you, do you like to actually have a conversation with your followers? Yeah, I do like to have a conversation with them. Of course, Hamilton's ancestors are from Grenada yeah. and in Barbados, everyone's like, oh, Lewis is from the Caribbean, yeah, yeah. so I think that's how the Carib- that's how Barrios and the Caribbean works. Whereas in England, of course, if you're a British driver, they look they they look forward to seeing you do good. But there's hundreds of British drivers that are doing the same thing, so it's a bit less. Uh, in the Caribbean, there's just me coming up and doing things in Europe. So I have Barbados, Jamaica, Guyana, Trinidad, everyone backing me just like Rihanna Rihanna's massive in Barrios she's from Barrios but she's she's loved so much there that every every single person on the street knows who Rihanna is yeah well like I said you're you're telling a story of, of like your career it's not just it's not just a case of oh look how great I'm doing like yeah. so because you're I, I've seen you regularly do those Q&A's on your yeah. stories so I think it's a great tool that nowhere near enough drivers use yeah. um, and it's good that you're engaging with your fans early because again I think a lot of drivers they um, they kind of gain a following naturally through all the junior formula um, you know 10,000 or 100,000 whatever followers and they get to formula one and then they want to do something with it yeah. whereas if you're, I think if you're thinking about that earlier not just engaging with your fans but also like building a brand around you you're only going to be more valuable 
down the line also know what to do with it as well. Yeah. I think that's what gives Lando an advantage, you know, with all the streaming he does and engaging with all his followers. He's doing that like in the first couple of years of his Formula One career. Yeah. So again, I think whereas guys like him redefine what's possible on the track at a young age, maybe guys like yourself can redefine what's possible off it. Before you even get to Formula One, you've yeah. got this, you know, really engaged group of followers yeah it's going great so far but Lando is is amazing at what he does on track and off track because yeah, he, yeah. he's able to he's friends with all his fans even yeah. if he doesn't know them they they can relate he can relate to them what he yeah. brings through and in a fun way or in a not really a sad way he's always if he's having a bad day he gets on there and he makes it a good day so um he does a great job that, that's the power of it is you can you can kind of flip yeah. any situation in your favour if you've got support of all yeah, your it's, fans. It's good and it's social media is a good thing and a bad thing. You can you can talk to people that you don't know and you can get to know people by just their social stuff. So what's the obviously we've we've all been locked down with the coronavirus stuff, including yourself. I mean Barbados has been fairly locked down as well. So sadly for you you haven't been able to get onto that track and, and utilise the time because yeah. you've just not been allowed to. What have you been doing? What have you been doing for prep for this season when it eventually starts? Well, I've stepped up my training again. Um, I've also, for the first time, I brought on a nutritionist. Um, I think it was at the very end of last year or beginning of this year, I brought on a nutritionist, which when I was younger and even up to last year, you you think that you do need to eat good, but eating a pack of chips every other day, you think it's, it's oh, that can't be that bad for me. And you, or a you, pack of biscuits. Yeah, a pack of biscuits. Biscuits. <laughs> you know, you you think it's not bad for you, and it's good to. Of course, you do need, you need something to look forward to, even in yeah. the eating and everything in life. Um, so I'm allowed a treat every so often, and but it is good, and I'm feeling the difference with having a nutritionist now because, you can train um every single day and eat bad, and you still won't be mentally yeah. or physically where you want to be. So right now. I'm, I do feel better on a day. I feel ready to go to the gym and not slouched over, just sitting on the couch doing nothing. And it is a lot better for me. I've gone a lot stronger and and mentally and physically would you stronger. Say, would you say you feel more prepared now than you did like before F4? Definitely. I yeah. think, yeah, definitely. I have more people on board with the nutrition staff training, uh, coaching, of course, with you guys um, on the simulator. I've been on the sim a lot, but I find with the simulator, I... Of course, it's very good for you, and I like being on it. But after a while, you you start to go backwards. I think with the development. Like if I'm on it every single day of my life, I find I get to a certain level, and then from there, I just don't learn much on the simulator. Whereas on the track, you learn so much yeah. more every single day of your life. So, so going into this year, your plan is obviously to win. I think our listeners would have kind of gathered that you're only there for one thing and one yeah. thing only what is it that you are going to do specifically the big thing that you're going to do this season to make sure you're more prepared based on well I think I'm going to go in there with an open mind um, because it's a new car it's no one knows the car not even the team and uh, so going in there with an open mind will allow us to develop a lot quicker and with an open mind on my driving style as well. Last year, maybe I went in having a driving style and not really wanting to change it that much. Whereas this year, if I need to change something in in my technique, 
to get this corner better, I will have to do it. So especially because it's a new car and trying to change my technique as well as setup will have to be done. Yeah. So I think the main thing is just going in with an open mind and working with my engineer to to get the car correct because no one knows the car and yeah. whoever can have an open mind and go in there and test it the most and the best will, will win the races. Yeah. If you were Zane Maloney back in 2017, 2018 in, in the, the European karting scene and you were looking up at, who was it, Orlando that was winning it yeah. before when you were looking at it, what would you tell yourself now? I would say have a le- less of an ego. Yeah. Um, definitely less of an ego. So a mental um, approach to things. Yeah, more of an open mind, which I think that's the same thing. Um, and then definitely, definitely I would have trained a lot harder. Um, with the, I would have gone on a nutritionist a lot earlier. Even if it's not someone telling me what to do, I would have been more disciplined to eat better and train harder. Um, so I think I would have been a lot strong. I should have been a lot stronger back then, which then would have allowed me to focus more on the data side of things with Ricky and um, tell him exactly what's fe- what I'm feeling in the car and not what I'm feeling in my body with yeah. the fitness. So definitely that and what else? Um, and yeah, I could have gotten a, um, someone like you a lot earlier. I, in karting, that's another thing with karting. They kind of... They don't accept coaches. I remember, I remember even um, you came into the pad. I think it was twenty seventeen with Zach. Yeah. Um, and you can see all the mechanics, even if they don't say it. You can see they're like, "Why is this guy here? Yeah. We are the coaches." Yeah. And um, you did. I did see that from when co- when coaches come into the team, they don't get accepted and they're not able to do their job. And so that's another thing with the current world that. Um, someone like you can go and change and yeah. start to get the mentality a bit different because if they see a coach come in and a driver all of a sudden go a lot quicker and win races then it's pretty obvious why they did this yeah. and I think if the mechanics let the coaches come in and do their job I think it would be a lot higher level with recording. So um, obviously with so many followers from Barbados um, and being the first guy from the Caribbean at your level I think you've probably got quite a few more sponsors than most have have at your level. Uh, so you want yeah. to just tell us a bit more about, about those and kind of how they've helped you so far? Yeah, um, I have amazing sponsors. I have Sol, Rock Hard Cement, Bushy Park Barbados, who came on with me in 2017 when they saw uh, the potential. And since then, they've been amazing to me. I've been able to go up to Bushy Park whenever I want, test. Um, so I'm grateful for that. And yeah. Rock Hard Cement and Sol as well have been um that's the reason that I'm here. So if without them, I wouldn't be able to be on this journey. And for this year, I have Royal Bank. So thank you to them as well. And Alpine mm-hmm. Stars for the last two years have been sending me all the, all the best kit in the world and yeah and everything else. So yeah, all all these people and and my family and Coco Performance, everyone have done an amazing job with with me so far in my journey. And I will. I I'm a person that likes to to keep relationships and continue with. Um, with the with my sponsors and with my teams and, yeah. and different stuff so i will be continuing with everyone uh this year and i'm really looking forward to it